The epic moment is one moment. The orgasm is a moment. But there's all the moments in between that lead to that. And life is made up of the in-between. Life is made up of the ordinary. And what I had to learn through my mom, because in many ways she was quite ordinary, you know, what I had to learn through my mom was the magic of the ordinary, the magic of the ordinary, just sitting there doing nothing, taking a walk in the park. Like for me, it was, it was always, well, what's the point? What's the purpose? And how is the serving? And how's it? It's just take a walk in the park to, to see the ducks. Like, but why? And, and now I'd be like, wow, what I would give to just take a walk in the park and just waste time with my mom, you know? And, and so I realized like, wow, those, those moments, man, those moments just to me, like <clears throat> spirituality has become more about the magic of the ordinary moments, you know, like, like, to what degree can I feel and acknowledge the sacred in everything? I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love. In our divinity, in our soul, in the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace, to help you come from a place of love more often, to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others, to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding, and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one. And it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you. I support you. And I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. Today's guest will teach you, guide you, and help transform your life through the art of surrender. Coot Blackson is a teacher and best-selling author of You Are the One and The Magic of Surrender. There's a big misconception that the spiritual practice of surrendering means inaction or giving up, when in reality, it means quite the opposite. And Coot goes deep in explaining what this act truly looks like and what it means to surrender. He also shares personal stories about him following his inner guidance, which led him to the exact right table at a restaurant in Thailand where he met someone he had wanted to meet for years. And that when he finally was given his big break after years of hardship, he declined it. 
Because even though his mind said yes, his inner guidance gave a resounding no. Coote says that without a doubt, he would not be the person he is today if he had said yes back then. This takes an unbelievable amount of faith and knowing. We also talk about one of the most, if not the most beautiful soul he's had the honor of knowing, his mother. Coot, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I want to just jump right into this and, and just say right off the bat, Coot, I love your mom. I <laughs> in, in your book, The Magic of Surrender, um, that relationship with your mom and how you talk about her and the person that she was and is, I fell in love with her. Yeah, my mother is a very special human. My mother, not just because she's my mom, but she's the purest soul that I've met in my life. Maybe with the section of my wife now, but she is the purest soul. Like, no agenda. Like, I've never met someone with, with like, zero agenda about no angles, no, no, not just, just, just like, it's not even just trying to be straight in, in just that. It's, she's just a bit innocent, you know? And, and uh, my mother is someone that you could probably give your bank account passwords to drop off a million dollars in a briefcase and say, you'll be back in like three weeks. Can she hold it? And she would just have it waiting for you. You know, she was really that person. And <clears throat> my mother had very little ego about herself. And in that, her life was really dedicated to, to living and being of service in a certain sense. And I think <clears throat> without trying to be spiritual, <clears throat> without trying to be intelligent, without trying to be anything, she, was just, she would just serve whatever she was called, however she was called. Nothing was too small, too big. I mean... I was blessed, man. I mean, I know, I knew prior to meeting my wife, I knew what love was because of my mother. I could say, I know what love is. Like, and a lot of people are not that blessed to have, you know, a mother who they can say that about, you know? And, and so I, I'm very humbled and privileged and blessed in a certain way that I my mother was not perfect human being. I mean, she had her own emotional stuff, but I knew I was loved deeply. And that, despite the imperfections of the world and despite <clears throat> her own human frailties, like that just covered everything as a blanket of grace, you know? And mm -hmm. so I was blessed, man. I didn't realize, to be honest, who my mother was until she passed. You know, I didn't you, like like when you were a kid, you just use your mom, you know, then you go up and say, my mom. But in the year that she passed away, I began to realize how enlightened she was truly. And I began to realize who she really was as a soul. And that hit me hard. And I cried. Part of my tears from when she passed was not just the grieving of that she was gone, but the realization of who she was as a soul. And, and, you know, I remember 
one of the last conversations I had with my mother when the doctor said to us, you're going to die, get your affairs in order. I remember that night, I was kind of sitting with my mom, holding her hand. And I think this is probably the only time I've cried in front of my mother since I was you know, 10, 8, 11. And I held her hand and I, you know, and I spoke to her in Japanese. And I remember saying to her, like, it's, I'm so privileged to be your son. And I'm so privileged that my soul has met you in this lifetime. And, and I felt the privilege to be her son, you know, to be loved by this being. This, like, like, it hit me, you know, and I wished, like, fuck, why, <clears throat> why did it take her dying? For me to realize this, truly let it in. Like, why did it take it? Die? I thought I had time. I thought I had time. And so for me, the only regret I have in my life is not spending more time with my mom, you know, and more time. And it's a sacred regret, which has transformed my life, you know, for my wife and my kid. You know, so. Well, I love that. You said like a sacred regret, right? So is it something that you you know, that you deep down regret or is it something that you're like, you're using as like a, as a tool? Yeah, no, it's something I'm, I don't like beat myself up about because, you know, the reality is in life, you kind of learn things with experience. I mean, how else are you supposed to learn? I mean, we, we know this stuff. Yeah, we're going to die, you know, focus on what's important. But until, until you go through death and, and you lose people that are important at 22 years old, how do you really really appreciate it. I mean, I, I, it's not a new concept. We're going to die, make the most of every moment. But it was when I realized I will never have a conversation with my mother again. I will never see my mother washing the dishes. I will never see my mom, you know, making sort of like homemade sushi. You, you know, I will never see my mom like, I will never get another voicemail from my mom in my lifetime again. And so it, it, it's like, wow, I'll never, I'll never get another birthday card from my mom. My mom will never, she won't see my kids, you know? And, and so it hits you, man. And, and, and it's only by kind of facing that consequence, you know, and, and facing it that, that, that you grow, you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sacred, like I've done a lot of amazing things, man. I'm, I've, I've, had best-selling books. I've traveled to 50-plus countries. I've bought Lamborghinis. I've, I mean, you know, all the stuff, and I've, you know, none of it means anything. And, and I realized, like, wow, I wish, I wish I had taken that trip with my mom. You know, those Christmases that I was like, oh, I'm too busy because I'm too cool. To, to, uh, I need to be doing cool shit, you know, somewhere else. I'm like, wow. I, I, the best thing would have just been hanging out, doing nothing on Christmas with my mom, you know? And, but you don't, but you don't realize when you're 22 and 25 and you, you just, it doesn't connect, you know? And so it, it took maturing and it took reality of life to teach me like the, the, you know, cause I, I used to think that everything has to be, and, and it's not, not that it's changed, but if it's not like super special, special all the time, like the, Mountaintop, enlightenment, you know, epic, 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 epic. Uh, but, but the truth is, 
life is made up of the in-between. You know, life is made up. The epic moment is one moment. The orgasm is a moment. But there's all the moments in between that lead to that. And life is made up of the in-between. Life is made up of the ordinary. And what I had to learn through my mom, because in many ways she was quite ordinary, you know, what I had to learn through my mom was the magic of the ordinary, the magic of the ordinary, just sitting there doing nothing, taking a walk in the park. Like for me, it was, it was always, well, what's the point? What's the purpose? And how is the serving? And how's it? It's just <laughs> take a walk in the park to, to see the ducks. Like, but why? And, and now I'd be like, wow, what I would give to just take a walk in the park and just waste time with my mom, you know? Uh-huh. And, and so I realized, like, wow, those those moments, man, those moments just to me, like <clears throat> spirituality has become more about the magic of the ordinary moments, you know, like like. To what degree can I feel and acknowledge the sacred in everything, in everything? And that's been a blessing because now with my wife and my and my son, you know, who's 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 a baby, it's it's like, wow, I, I I'm primed for this, you know. It's like, what do we do together? Now, honestly, the best moments with them are just on a Sunday, just. Doing nothing, literally just doing nothing, man. Just hanging out, sitting at a coffee shop somewhere, just shooting the shit. Mm. Like nothing. And that's that's so special, man. So, yeah, my mother taught me that in, in, a, in a certain way, you know. She really did like how you talk about her in, in the book. She just seems like an incredibly special, really like the knowledge that seemed to come from her did seem to have like that very simplistic aspect of it. Like there wasn't all the fireworks and all these light shows. It was just super simple. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, you know, you know, I remember I have a few of these, a couple of videos on my iPhone I made with my mother and, and like my favorite moments, like when my mom came to LA, I took her to Las Vegas, right? My mother never been to Las Vegas. She'll never take herself to Las Vegas. It's like another universe. And she'd look around like, wow, you know, just just her humility, you know. And I got a very basic room in the MGM Grand. And she was so grateful for like just, wow, you know, my son got me this room. And it's amazing. It was just so, so beautiful, you know. So, so yeah, my mother... I realize now it wasn't about what she said. It wasn't about talk. It was just about how she just showed up, you know, like, like she was always there. You know, she, she showed up, man. She showed up and she showed up and she, she ran things and she showed up. And it's like a lot of great talkers in the world that will say, Oh, I love you. You're amazing. You're the best. But, my mother was there, man. My mother followed through. My mother delivered. My mother, without any seeking, without any seeking for notoriety, acknowledgement, validation. And you don't appreciate, now I appreciate them and go, wow, that's, 
that's that's like you know spirituality is all about moving beyond your ego mm. she was living you know and so there's a lot that i learned from her but i only realized when she was gone i'm like oh because <laughs> i didn't realize it when she was here you know oh you know mm. and so yeah yeah the simplicity of things you know the grace you know my mother i remember uh i remember my mother asking my mother like we were at a coffee shop and I said, do you ever get jealous? You know, do you ever get jealous? And she says, no, no, not really. Because like, what would I get jealous? I, I, you know, I, and she had some challenges with my dad. Just like, that's a whole nother topic, a whole nother story. But she said, I have, I have a, a great husband and, and, and a great son. Like, why, why would I, like, why would I get jealous? You know, <laughs> I was like, wow, just so, so beautiful, you know? Yeah. And, and, and she said something to me, in that simple conversation. And she said, you know, sometimes success is difficult. It's harder than failure. Because when you succeed, you develop pride. You basically you develop ego. And she was just saying it just so casually. It wasn't trying to, you know, she was just talking. She goes, I think she was trying to say she didn't see herself as successful. Right. And, and, and so, so she was, when you succeed, you develop pride. And when you have pride, it becomes hard to let go of what you've built and what you have to go to that next step, you know? And I'll never forget that, that moment and that teaching. As you, you'll see people who, there's really those stories of people becoming successful and, and, and achieving their dreams and, they changed, right? They are different than they yeah. were before. And I thank you so much for just sharing that right now because that's something I, I've just thought of in myself. Mm-hmm. Like as spread love movement grows, as this, po- as this podcast grows, as I grow as a speaker, to just not ever let the ego get too big. Not ever think that I'm too cool for somebody else that because I've reached a certain level that I don't have time to speak or spend time or energy with somebody. Because that is a, a part of it. I think that really, as you grow as a person, as you become more successful, as you do the things you want to do, there is that constant balance mm-hmm. of not letting your ego take over and turn you into something that you're not, right? Yeah. Because what's the point of reaching all your goals and all those things if ego is taken over fully yeah. and you're not yeah. your truest self anymore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, Kud, I want to ask you too, just about surrendering, man. So I was introduced to even the concept of surrender years ago, uh, through the surrender experiment by Michael, a- by Michael A. Singer. And I, you know, I, I was thinking about this before we hopped on and I was like, I was kind of lucky in that situation because I didn't know about the idea of surrender at all. Mm. That book was recommended to me. And then I just, I just jumped into it. Right. So I didn't have these preconceived ideas of surrender or how the typical, how that's weak, how that's giving up, how there's no effort in there and how that's the easy way. So I didn't have those prior thoughts. I kind of jumped into it very, very clean. Mm. But I noticed, and like in your book, and when I talk to other people about surrendering, there is this misconception of weakness with surrendering, right? Because when we think about the word surrender, you think about like your side is surrendering to the other side, right? You're giving up, you're raising the, you're raising the white flag. And this is just a completely different idea. So if you, you just talk about it so beautifully in the book, man, you use such good examples. Um, if you can just give a little bit of an idea and aspect of what you think surrender is, and for the people out there listening, so that they can maybe switch their perspective if they're thinking about it in the Yeah, I, I think there's so many misconceptions about surrender in our culture today. 
that surrender is weak, that surrender is passive, that surrender is giving up, that surrender is waving the white flag, that surrender is being a victim, you're going to be a doormat, you're going to be left behind, you know, that if you surrender, you won't manifest your goals, dreams and desires, you're going to get less in life. And I'm actually saying, no, if you really surrender, <clears throat> what if you got more? What if you got more? What if, maybe not what you expected, but what if it was better than you expected? What if it was better than what you could actually imagine with your ego's limited perspective? Because the ego is limited. The ego only sees a small sliver of reality. It's conditioned by past programming and parents and generations and society. And so when we create from the ego, we're very limited, you know, even though we think we think what we want is what we want, but often what we want is just what we think we want based on who we think we are. And when we think we are this little ego mechanism, then things will be limited, you know? And that's why, you know, in, in sort of the self-help, a lot of self-help personal growth, we're taught like, know what you want, get clear what you want, make it happen. And you might, but it will be limited. Uh, it won't be as amazing as it could be because many of the best things that have happened in our lives, we did not plan. We could not have imagined. We, it was bigger than us. It, it, we, we stood back and go, wow, I didn't know this was going to happen, you know? And, and so for me, part of surrender is, to me, surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do. I really feel that. Like, I really believe that. It's like, it's why we're here. It's why we freaking incarnate. Everything we're doing is we're just resisting who we are. We're all human beings go walking around on some level resisting that we are infinite beings, that we are divine, just kind of pretending to be limited ego structures. That's the only thing going on. We go to Vegas, we go shopping, we watch Netflix. We're just resisting. We are divine beings. That's the, that's the bottom line that we're here to awaken to, realize, surrender to. End of story. I think the game would be over. We're like, I'm a divine being. Boom. Okay. You know, and, and live that, right? Embody that. But part <laughs> of it is a process of embodying that. And life is a process of like really embodying that internal reality. And so to me, surrender is the real secret to manifestation, is the real key to the next level of our lives. The It's the real password to freedom. Um, I think if we look at the truly great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Mandela, Martin Luther King, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, at some point, they all had to surrender themselves. At some point, they all surrendered themselves. And in that surrender, they tapped into another dimension of life, existence. And as they tapped into that, they transcended their human limitations and they tapped into sort of the infinite potential of life. And it was as though life began to move through them. Life began to use them. God began to express through them. The innate intelligence of life began to, to, to perform miracles through them. And that's when I think the magic happens in our lives. So I want people to get freaking excited about the possibility of surrender. It's like, yeah, we think we're going to get a little peanut when and the truth is the world the universe, God wants to give you the entire universe, but we're holding on oh, this little peanut because that's all we can see. From the ego's perspective, we look at a painting and we look at a very small piece of the painting. We look at the corner, we see a black dot and we think, oh, that's all it is, but we don't see that there's an infinite sort of 
tapestry that is huge, that this black dot is just the toenail of a tiger that is in China, that is in a universe, that is it. But we're looking at what's this little black dot? Okay, that's what I want. And so <clears throat> surrender is taking the limitations off of life, is taking the limitations off of God, the universe, and just being available and open and receptive and curious to the highest good that is unfolding in any moment, in any experience. Because often we think that it's got to be this person. This person is my soulmate. And then we we hold on to this, like, I'm going to make you my soulmate when maybe they're not meant to be, you know? And and, and so surrender is a letting go of control. Or I would say the, the illusion that we were in control in the first place. You know, control is a master addiction. Surrender is a surrender is a mm, is when we stop trying to force and manipulate life to fit our limited idea of how we think it should be and how we think a relationship should be. It's got to be like this. It's got to be so that we're actually like open and we're available to allowing life to lead you, life to show you. Life to like reveal itself. And I think that's when the miraculous happens. That's when the magic, like I call my book the magic of surrender. The reason I say magic is magic, not a hocus pocus, but magic is that which is beyond our ego's capacity to imagine what's possible. It's beyond, it's better than that. So many things that have happened in my life, I'm like, I could not have planned this shit. I could not have made it like I did. I don't even know how it happened to me. I was just following a path. I was available and boom, could never have imagined this was possible. And so, um, yeah, surrender is living in flow. And so rather than asking yourself the question, what do I want? This limited sense of ego, I, it's about asking even a different question. Like, what is it? What is it that life is seeking to manifest through me? What is it that life is seeking to <clears throat> express through me? What is it that life is seeking to create through me? What is what, what is God seeking to manifest? What is the what is my soul? What is the deepest impulse of what my soul is seeking to express and feeling it? Being still, listening, attuning, feeling for the flow, and then aligning your personality and your strategy and your marketing and your mind with the flow of life and existence. And that's when I think. Uh, the miraculous happens, man. I I love the idea of surrender. And I was really excited to have this conversation with you, listen to your book so I could just tap more into it, get newer perspectives on the idea of surrender. Because you know, right, we'll, we'll get all these, we'll hear all these different things, all these different knowings from all over the place. And they just kind of stack and build on top of each other one after another yeah. until it solidifies and locks even more in our consciousness, that idea and concept mm -hmm. to where it's not even a belief, it's just now a knowing. Mm -hmm. So I loved in your book too, and you just mentioned it right now too, you helped me tap into and connect to this even more. And it's that whole idea that our ego, our thought on it is very finite. It is. It's very, very limited. And we think we know it all. And we think we know the exact best way that we can possibly get there. And in that thought, we stay finite. But right, the universe, source, God, it is infinite. There are literally, and when I, when I have that thought of how constricted my thoughts can be to the yeah. idea of the infinite power and ideas of the universe, that really did help click in a lot for me to like, yeah. yes, even more of a reason to surrender. Yeah, it's going beyond personal power. The old paradigm is like personal power. This it's is like tapping into the power of life itself. 
so that you go beyond you, little, little you living your little life and tapping into life itself and life begins to live you. It's a different stratosphere. It's a different possibility. It's a different game. And that's, for me, like, you can't plan Mandela's life. Yeah, I'm going to go here, do this. I'm going to be, I'm going to, like, spend 27 years in prison. It's in my gold chart. After 20, you, you can't plan that. It's, it's bigger than your mind. All you can do is just open to it and, and allow. And that's, you know, so I'm not saying don't make plans. I'm saying just don't get so attached to them that you strangle the flow of life. And I'm not saying sit there and do nothing. I'm saying catch the vision for what you're most guided to do. Go in that direction. Use your mind and your ego to, to, to sort of help bring this flow about. Give 100%. Work 24-7. But now you're working in alignment with the flow that you feel is truly aligned. But just don't be attached to the outcome. Because sometimes the goal that you think is the goal is not really the goal. The goal that you think is the goal is just the necessary puzzle piece to take you in a direction so that you can go on a journey so that on the journey you can learn the lessons that you need to learn so that you can grow so that you can be more ready for the next step but when you're so attached to it has to be this then you're you're not open to pivoting you're not open to the guidance of life which may be taking you there so it doesn't mean that the the the, the goal is wrong or the goal is bad or the goal is not something you shouldn't pursue it was just that the goal was evolutionary and 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 made you go on the journey so that you could learn the skills and, and the evolution so that you could be ready for the next step. And so if we don't take that journey, if we don't follow the flow, we won't learn and become who we need to become so that we're even available and ready for the next step, you know? And so, mm -hmm. so yes, surrender, yes. surrender is the key, man. And what I, I, key. It, I, I honestly totally agree. And I could use some of your guidance and help in this. And yes. I'm sure anyone out there right now has a relatable idea or situation, right? So we all have our goals. And so, you know, I go back and forth in my mind, Kuna, in, in manifesting um, who I am and what I want to become and what I want to give back towards the world. So my whole idea, I envision me being just this massive speaker, spreading love, connecting with hundreds of thousands, millions of people to literally spread the idea of a more loving consciousness, to help people every single day come from a place of love more often. So then they can expand that out throughout the world. And then so could I, you know, I, I imagine and I visualize me being on these like stadiums and the joy that that brings me. But then I'll think sometimes maybe my highest purpose isn't being a speaker. Maybe it's it's making this impact in a different way. So then I'll kind of get confused in my thoughts. And, and you know, I'll, I'll again, I'll envision me being a speaker at these huge stadiums. And then I'm like, but maybe that's not what I'm meant to do. So then I kind of fall away from that. But then I think, well, that's what I want to manifest. And that's what I should visualize being that vibration so I can bring that closer to me. And again, anyone out there who I'm sure has goals and dreams, if you're doing the same thing, you're visualizing, uh, meditating, manifesting these things. If anyone's maybe had like a similar situation out there as me right now, I would just love some of your just idea and guidance for me because could I feel like sometimes I'm pulling myself in different directions and yeah. I know that's not helping me. Look, look, I think, I think you have to feel is, is, is this, desire coming from an authentic place within you. I'm not saying it is or isn't. Is it coming from an authentic place? Just, I'm not, and, I'll, and the reason I ask that is sometimes a lot of people, they want to be a speaker, they want to go into self-help, 
sour self-help is hip and popular because they see other people doing on the social media and it'll be a cool thing to do. And, and so it's more fulfilling their own ego. And so you just want to just clarify, is this real? Is this authentic? Is this my dharma? Is this my calling? Like, would I die for this? You know, you know, is this is this truly like I have to do this? Like, if I don't do this, it's like uh, not taking a shit for five days. Like, it's it's just like 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 it's 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 coming through me. Like it's like I I would do this for free. It's 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 it's, and I really want to be of service because the key thing is to be of service. To truly, if you say. I have a like to be of service. I really want to be of service. Technically, you'd almost do it for free, you know. I, I, to be of service because I think what's happened a lot is people have gone into self help. They're in it for the wrong reasons. They're in it to be famous. They're in it to make money. They're in it for the side hassle, and they're not truly in it to be of service to other people. You know, they're in it to prop up their own egos. So once you clarify honestly where you're at there. Because if it's truly to be of service, then, okay, let's just say it's authentic. Okay, this is real. You know, then you have to begin. And you have to start where you are. And, 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 and so what I see is a lot of people want to do this big thing, but they don't start where they are. I would invite you and say, okay, you want to reach millions, then... Did you help the, the, the person next to you? You want to reach millions, but like in front of you, did you help that person on the street that tripped over? Did you, you know, help your neighbor who you know needs help? Like really focus on starting by truly being of service. Because if it's really about being of service, it doesn't matter if it's millions or if it's one. Mm-hmm. So you start with the one, purely. No, 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 it's got to be, it's got to be, start with the one. The one will lead to the two. You start with the two, you evolve. Two will lead to four. Four will lead to 10. 10 will lead to 20. And you start and you just keep following the, the, the evolution. And not that it doesn't matter if you reach millions or not, because that can be a goal, like a beautiful intention. If it's coming from here, it's a beautiful intention. But it won't matter if you do or not because you're not depending on that to feel anything. You're not depending on that goal to feel happy. You're not depending on that to feel fulfilled. The fulfillment, how you know it's pure is because you feel fulfilled and the fulfillment and the desire to be of service is is, is, is coming from the overflow of your connection to your own soul that you have to serve. And so you just start serving those around you. And so it won't matter if you reach millions or not. It won't matter if you're in stadiums or not. Doesn't mean you won't be, but it, your your ego, your validate, nothing will be dependent. Your happiness will not be dependent on that. You're no longer waiting. You're you're already serving everywhere you go. The grocery store you're serving, in traffic you're serving, you know, at the park you're serving. Where you're just serving, 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 and then it might just happen that all of a sudden you're serving two hundred, then you're serving two thousand, you're serving twenty thousand. It's just doesn't doesn't matter if anyone's there or not. You just happen to be serving. Service and loving is what you are and is what you live. And it just happens to be that one person's in front of you or 20,000. It really doesn't matter, you know? And so if you're living that way, then you're free. You're not depending or waiting for the goal. 
You can visualize it, you can feel it, you can see it, but you're not depending on the goal. You can hold the intention, but you're not depending on the goal. And for me, I think it's important that you 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 always say, okay, I would love this, and I'm going to start now, do what I can now in the ways that Kut has just said. But then you also can invoke the highest good, whatever the highest good is. What, like Whatever the highest good, because we sometimes get attached to, it's going to be this. And and, and 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 then we start focusing our visualization, everything around that. I'm not saying don't see it and visualize, but but remain open. Remain open because what's important is the journey that you go on to pursue that vision. Goals are evolutionary. It will take you on a journey, a journey of becoming, a journey of learning, a journey of evolving, a journey of expanding. A journey of of inner healing, a journey of having to face things within yourself so that you can become the person that may be capable of fulfilling that. And sometimes the goal is not the goal, it's the journey, as I said. And sometimes when you become and you learn those karmic, spiritual, soul lessons you need to learn, the goal itself drops away. Sometimes the goal itself just is no longer necessary as a target because you, you, you've already succeeded. So the real success isn't whether you're in front of 20,000 or not. The real success is did you learn the lesson that your soul was seeking to learn in pursuit of that target. And sometimes like you become the person, you learn what you need to learn, that the, tar- it, the goal changes. It's like it evolved. Why? Because you evolved. So you didn't even need that you know, destination point in your GPS to go for because you're, th- you're there already wherever you are. You know, and so... Uh, uh, be more attached to the process. Be more attached to the process. You know, um, it's like, I think I shared this story in the book when, in The Magic of Surrender, when I had this vision for a TV show. I don't know if I did or not or how much I shared, but when I came to the US for the first time at 18, you know, I wanted to go into the self-help field. And then I started, I lived in LA. So I was like, Hollywood, jeez, wow, TV. Oprah, and I wanted to be the next Oprah. And I got a vision of being the next Oprah, man. It was my destiny, bro. It was like, there was there was not even another alternative, man. People say, I tried everything for my vision and goal. I said, what did you do? Well, I called two people. That's not everything. That's just two things. Ten, like, I literally tracked down Steven Spielberg, David Geffen, Richard Branson, you know, Arnold Milchen head of CAA, head of William Morris, head of IC. I tracked down every freaking producer in this town, was kicked out, spat out, laughed at, but like literally embarrassed out of situations trying to pitch my show because I was hell-bent on making this show happen. I was sure. Like, that, like I went broke to the point where I was sleeping on friends' couches because I was so attached, you know, to the show. And long story short, I finally met these managers. Okay, I talked my way into meet these managers. These were two guys that managed at the time Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lopez, Dolly Parton, Michael Jackson, Mariah Carey, Backstreet Boys, Martin Lawrence. I mean, heavy duty dudes, right? And and girls. And they gave me a meeting. I'm so used to getting rejected. I'm like, here we go, another rejection. I have thick skin at that moment. But these two guys looked at each other and they said to me, uh, we believe you. 
you're a star. We're going to make you a star. You have it. It's a contract. Bring it tomorrow. We're going to get to work. We're going to blow you up. All of a sudden, all everything, I've, I mean, I saw myself, you know, having a $400 million annually generating syndication TV show. You know, I mean, I just saw all the, like, it's happening. I saw it. I went home. I medita- meditated that day. All I heard was no. Don't sign with these people. No. What the hell? No. Next day I told these guys no. They screamed expletives down the phone in Hollywood style like out of a movie. I hung up, cried, went into a funk of depression. And I said, God, I I don't know what the hell you want from me because I I thought this was what I, I, it was really what I wanted. And now I'm given the opportunity and not out of fear, everything. The same guidance that guided me to the U.S., guided me to leave my father's church, was saying, no, I don't understand. That's when I decided to pack my bags and move to India. That packed my bags and go travel to uh, walk the Camino. 90 days, the Camino, a 900-kilometer trek in northern Spain on a vortex line. It's a trek that Dante, Chaucer, St. Francis of Assisi did and had awakening experiences. It was from there that I ended up in India. For three months of my life changed. A whole new awakening to the deep reality of my being in a profound way. That's when I came back to the U.S. 21 years ago as a kid, basically, and began working with people one-on-one in a room, one-on-one in a room, in Sherman Oaks, no social media, no podcast, no sexy anything, no stories, just me in a room transforming one person. And one person came, another person came, another person came. Then I began creating a way of working with people that really transform people's lives. So I just wanted people to be free. I wanted people, I had nothing to show for myself, but I wanted people to experience the freedom I felt. No branding, no idea about anything. I didn't give a shit. I just wanted people to feel free. One person came and before you knew it, people started getting referred from around the world. People started flying from Israel, Sweden, and you know, all over to work with me in my process. And it grew and it grew. And one person, five people, 10 people, small groups, large groups, larger groups, larger groups, two best-selling books. And none of it I could have planned, but it started from the pure intention to serve and the pure intention to make a difference. And so I just started where I was at, exactly as I was to the best of my degree. And I look back now and I think to myself, thank God I didn't get that TV show. Thank God I did not get that TV show because had I got that TV show as a 20, 21 year old kid, I probably would have crashed and burned, man. Because how many, you know, how many of these TV hosts that crash and burn and Hollywood chews you up and spits you out like you're just a piece of poop? I probably would have crashed and burned. My ego was not ripe and ready. You know, and had I got that show, maybe gotten lost in a Hollywood world, I definitely wouldn't have gone to India at age 21 and gone so deep into my healing, internal transformation, that if I didn't do that healing, internal transformation that I did, I would not be able to do the work I'm doing now. Mm. And, and so I look back and I go, wow, there's an intelligence, you know? So I'm not saying... Don't go for it. Go for it. 
but just don't be attached to the form. Don't be attached to the outcome. And that doesn't mean maybe, you know, 20 years later, maybe we'll do a show. But to be honest, at this point, I don't give a shit. You know, I don't, I really don't care. You know, for me, I'm just, I just care more for doing God's work, however that looks, you know. And in many ways, in a strange way, it's taking me, you know, into different business ventures. I'm building business building projects. It's taking me, you know, this is a side of my, of my, of my, other businesses I don't speak about. It's taking me to to build in Africa, to build, you know, on 40 acres, to build in Mexico in ways that have are creating a lot of, you know, economics. Because for me, what I also realized was, and this is stuff I could not have planned. What I also realized is in order to feed the poor people, we need money. In order to empower the people in Africa, they need money. They need jobs, you know, in order to help educate those people in, in Ghana, where I'm from. My prayers aren't going to do it. And so it, it's just the intelligence has been taking me entrepreneurially and putting me in a whole way that like, huh, what would it be like to make hundreds of millions of dollars that I never even give a shit about before? But now I realize meditation and yoga and good intentions is not going to feed the kids in India and Africa. And so, so you just don't know how your journey is going to look and how it's going to unfold. So go for it with humility, without attachment, focus on the growth, focus on the soul line, not just the gold line, because that's where the real growth is. So I don't know if that answered your question, but some things to think about. That was beautiful. And something that I just, I, I you inspire me so much and I respect so much in you and have so much love for you, your ability to listen to your divine guidance mm. and not only listen to it, but to act on it. Yeah, because I don't know how many people going after their goal year after year after year, facing rejection after rejection, you finally <laughs> get it, and then you have this this literally voice and guidance from spirit from source, and uh -huh. that you so many people would be like, nah, that's not you're not saying no, 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 <laughs> that can't be what this is. So, man, you 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 really are. You're just it's inspiring me so much, and it's letting me know how possible it is. Like your example, that's how we inspire. I think in our example, so by you actually following through on these things, it lets me know that that is possible. And yeah. even though in the moment, if I know in my heart and truth and my soul that it's not for me, but my mind is saying, yes, yes, yes. And it may seem like it's the best thing for me to actually really, truly trust that divine guidance. Don't compromise it, man. It knows. You compromise that, you're out of the flow. You compromise that even if you achieve the goal, you'll never feel happy. Uh, and and in, in many ways, I think sometimes the reason we sabotage situations and experiences is because we know we're not aligned. And so the sabotage is a kind of unconscious positive intention to break us free of the falsity that we've created, you know? And yeah. so, yeah, you follow your soul and your divine guidance. You will never be off track. Maybe not someone else's track, maybe not someone else's path, but on social media, your life is your life. Everyone has their own journey. And I think being true to your soul journey you will always be on track because it's your journey. <laughs> you can't not be on your journey. You can be not on your path because you're trying to follow someone else's path, right? And the truth is, not everyone is going to be Elon Musk in this lifetime. That doesn't mean you can't make money. Not everybody is going to be Tony Robbins in this lifetime. 
That doesn't mean you can't fill stadiums, but the way you do and the way you, not everyone is going to be Eckhart Tolle. Not everyone is going to be, you know, Oprah, but everyone can be who they are uniquely designed to be. And you, if you follow that, I think you will always have an inner peace and respect mm. within. Amazing. And something else I, I want to uh, touch on too, um, just like from the book and some of the things that you've talked about. So in in the book, you had like two different perspectives about difficult times. And I think this is so crucial because mm. that's some of our biggest suffering in life is when we have difficult times. That's the thing that causes us agony and pain and suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the thing that leads us to not having a happy, fulfilled, joy-filled life. It's, it is these difficult times. And in the book, you had talked about when people get down about the state of the world, right? Difficult times. So difficult uh -huh. times and difficult people give us an opportunity to step into our power and goodness. Difficult times, and this is from you, difficult times led to the knowing of Mother Teresa of Gandhi. Judas was needed in the beautiful and world-changing story of Jesus. So that's like one of your perspectives about you know difficult times and how those can actually serve us. Yeah. And how those are needed in our evolution and our path and who we are. And then another thing too, you say, you talk about how difficult times can serve and the reason why you are alive on the planet. Mm -hmm. And the universe is preparing you for what you're here to do and setting the stage for who you are meant to become. One of the examples you used in the book for that situation was with your uh, father when you were younger and he would like call you up on stage randomly and you like hated it, right? Yeah. You're like, you were a kid, you didn't feel prepared, but now, and like, so it, it just, it's going back to a moment like that. Any of us that have experienced, we're like, this sucks. I don't want to be here. How can this be serving me? This is awful. And then realizing that actually was preparing you for your life, for who you were meant and uh, who you were meant to become and who you became. And so now you're saying, you're like, someone calls me to hop on stage. It's no big deal at all. I hop on stage. It's who I am. I'm, I'm like fluid with it. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I think those teachings are just real. They're, they're so important for us to live a more, a life filled with more love and more happiness and more joy. When we can turn the difficult times, switch our mindset or perspective on them to really understand that this is serving us. Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't mean it's not hard or not difficult or uncomfortable. It can just be both. It can be those things and also be serving us and our highest self. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I really just, I, these parts just like really, really, really touched me and hit me hard. And you think about, right. And you kind of mentioned this before too, Gandhi, um, Nelson Mandela, without the difficult times in their lives, they don't become these people that we know of. No, they don't make the impact on the world that they've made without those things yeah. happening to them. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for that piece. Honestly, that was like, it's helping me in the difficult times of my life. You know what I mean? And just being like grateful for them. And I have such a heart of gratitude. I have this bracelet. I am grateful for it all the time. Helps me with my gratitude practice. And then, so this is just another layer on top of helping me understand that those times are here to serve and to find gratitude in those moments. Yeah. Those difficult moments, those, those dark times when all seems lost and you can't see one meter in front of you, one centimeter, and you've lost hope. You know, I think the darkness is a gift. Those dark times, we judge those dark times. 
because we we want to manifest and just only have light times. But when light, everything is light outside, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to stay on the surface. But when you go through those dark times, when you look outside and all you see is darkness, you look outside, you can't see shit. You can't see anything. There's no light. It's those times. To me, the darkness, the dark times have been sent to reveal to you your own light. Mm. Because when you can't see anything outside, there's nowhere else to look outside. You have to kind of look inside. And it's only when you look inside that you find the light that was inside of you all along. And that's when you find out, or what I found, who you really are. I've been homeless. I've been broke. I've had $2 in my bank account, minus. I've, you know, stole food from the supermarket. I've slept on friends' couches. I've, you know, I mean, the list goes on. I've been betrayed. I've been heartbroken. I've been down. I've, and... It's in those dark moments when you don't know your head's from your tails and you can't see light outside that you're forced to go inside and connect with something deeper, who you really are, you know, the, the source of existence, which is your own light. And when you find your light, that's power, that's freedom, you know, that's the gift that cannot be taken away. In a world that is constantly changing, in a world that is impermanent and transitory, in a world that tries to condition you to be something that you're not when you know that I am the light, I'm an infinite being. That's freedom, you know? And so I think that those dark moments are, are a real gift. I'll say it, it, what you're saying right now, it is so clear to me because Kud, who you are in your book, you talk a lot about your difficult times. You talk about the struggles, you talk about your breakups, all these different things. And it's so clear. It's like really creating this in, the, in in this moment right now that all of those difficult times is why you are so powerful, is why you are able to reach so many people, is why you've had two best-selling books. You know what I mean? Like it's exactly what we're talking about right now. And I see it so clearly in you. After listening to your book and seeing all these things, I'm like, that's what inspires me. That's what connects most with me in your book is that you also struggled. You also had dark times. You it's know what I mean? Shit. Yeah. And literally, it's those reasons why, do you going through those things, why you are where you are right now and why you're reaching the people that you're reaching right now? Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Cool. Real quick too, I want to ask, so I ask everybody this question. My just being here in this reincarnation of Justin right now, I truly believe it is to serve. Like I, I feel that in me to the deepest is to serve and to help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to one that is more loving and peaceful, kind, empathetic, forgiving, understanding, a consciousness that is truly one as we are. So you're doing it every day, buddy, but just in your own words, if you can just share, how do you feel like you are helping and aiding in this sort of a shift in consciousness every single day? I don't feel I'm doing anything. I really don't feel I'm doing anything. Um, I think life is doing it. To me, this whole existence is a one, one man, one woman, one being show. You know, consciousness is manifesting as a multiplicity of form in all existence. And I'm not really helping. Life is experiencing itself. You know, for me, I don't feel like I do anything. If anything, I feel like 
It's God that does everything. It's the innate intelligence that does everything. Um, all I can do on my human level is do my best to do my mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual inner work so I can heal those parts of my human humanness so that I can be as open, receptive, as clear as possible. Um, because to me, the world is a mirror manifestation of the consciousness of all of us combined. And, and I think if we can heal ourselves and transform ourselves and find peace within ourselves, that will be projected out in the world. And so if there's something I can do, maybe it's that, you know, maybe it's that, maybe it's he healing myself and um, reconnecting more and more with my true essence and my true light and whatever happens from there happens from there. But I don't feel like I'm a, I'm, I'm a doer. Um, I think life knows what it's doing. Life has been around for billions of years. Life will be here for billions of years when crude is gone. So life knows what it's doing, man. I, uh, that was amazing. I need to sit with that for a little while. Like that whole idea of what you just spoke about, that's making me think about this question and that idea in a brand new way, totally different than I've ever thought about it before. So I cannot even tell you how much I appreciate that new perspective. Look at That's Jesus. I know we're going to wrap up in a second, but look at Jesus. Jesus, who was a way shower, one of many on this planet. For miracles, water into wine. Did you ever once hear Jesus say, yo, people, I'm the bomb. Look at me. I'm the man. Here's my testimonials. I'm the I'm the shit. I'm the I'm the great one. I'm the miracle worker. You see everyone on social media. I'm the I'm the bomb. Look at me. Ooh, ooh. Jesus said, "It's not I that does the work. It's the Father that does the work through me. Father, consciousness, infinite intelligence that does the work. The Mother, whatever we want to label, that does the work through me. He knew the code that he was not the doer." The ego wants to think that it's doing everything, but the truth is when you surrender to the divine intelligence that is life, the source of existence, that is this stream of consciousness that is unbroken beyond birth and beyond death that we all are, I think when we surrender to that fully, that's when life will begin to live us and we will realize that it's all being done by that which is doing everything. And it's very humbling, you know, for the ego to to realize mm. honestly what a beautiful way to wrap things up thank you so much Kud. if you just before we hop off you can just please let people know sure, where they can sure. find you online social yeah. media your books Co all that good couple stuff. of ways i would say uh get the book the magic of surrender on yes. on paperback get it on amazon it's an easy read number two if you feel inspired by the conversation curious um you feel a, a tingle or a pull um I want to invite you, you know, twice a year, I do a very special, very special event in, in Bali. 2023 is my final year doing this event. I've done 21 of these events. I've done these events for 11 years. They're very unique in nature because they're designed for those of you that feel a calling to serve humanity in some way. Um, maybe you feel ready for the next level of your life. You feel a sense of 
readiness to heal and transform and free yourself and connect with your power and share your gifts with the world. For me, part of my mission has been to activate, to transform leaders, those that have a destiny to lead, to lead and make a difference on the planet. And that's been part of my vision more and more. Um, and if you feel inspired, I want to invite you to the event. It's called Boundless Bliss, the Bali Breakthrough Experience. Um, I've done this for 11 years. We've had billionaires, celebrities, entrepreneurs, you know, many folks you would have heard about, many folks you would not have heard about, every cross-section of humanity. And probably I would say it's, people say it's one of the most life-changing experiences of their life. 12 days in Bali. 2023 is the last uh, the last time I'm doing this. So by the time you listen to this, folks, December the 5th through the 16th is the event. That's the final event. That will be number 22 for me, December the, uh, the 6th through the 15th. And so we take 18 to 20 people at a time, max. If you feel a calling, go to www.boundlessblissbali.com. That's boundlessblissbali.com. You can apply there. Uh, and yeah, Instagram, Coot Blackson, my name, Facebook, Coot Love Now, my website, cootblackson.com, my podcast, Soul Talk. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing this space with us and just um, letting life live through you and share your wisdom. Appreciate I appreciate you so much, buddy. Thank you.